Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of MetaStrategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest today is Richard Cox. Richard is the Chief Information Officer of Cox Enterprises, a privately held, family-owned, $21 billion conglomerate that operates three major subsidiaries, Cox Communications, Cox Automotive, and Cox Media Group. As CIO, Richard is responsible for overseeing IT across the enterprise, including strategy and standards, as well as providing guidance to business unit leaders on opportunities around data analytics, business intelligence, infrastructure, security, and more. Richard began his career with Cox at Cox Automotive, where he held several leadership positions. In 2018, Richard spent time as the chief operating officer for the city of Atlanta as an executive on loan. In this interview, we discuss Richard's interactions with the division chief information officers of Cox Enterprises and how they work together, why Richard is focused on building a holistic strategy, and some of IT's focus areas for 2021. We also discuss the digital acceleration driven by the pandemic, the importance of having relentless and transparent communications during times like these, and Richard's experience working for the city of Atlanta during a major cyber attack. Lastly, we discuss some of Cox Enterprises' diversity and inclusion efforts, Richard's take on RPA, AI, and data analytics, and a variety of other topics. I wanted to share a quick message from our sponsor, Sykes. Sykes is a leading provider of multi-channel demand generation and customer engagement services, helping Global 2000 companies enhance touch points at every stage of the customer journey. To share some perspectives, I'll briefly turn it over to Ian Barkin, the company's chief strategy and marketing officer. Customers don't want and don't deserve a new normal. They deserve and want a better normal. At Sykes, we know this because we spend over 3 billion minutes a year listening to and serving customers of the world's leading brands. And with that much listening, you can't help but know what delights, what infuriates, and what drives customer behaviors and decisions. So, what is a better normal? We believe it's the delivery of a truly intelligent customer experience. The call to action has never been clearer for CIOs, CTOs, and the broader C-suite. New is not enough, and the time for tinkering has passed. The winning combination of technology, talent, and customer insight is how to create intelligent customer experiences and a truly better normal. To read more about intelligent customer experiences, check out sykes.com forward slash ICX. Thanks, Ian. I recently caught up with Rehan Jalil, the founder and chief executive officer of Security AI. He offered the top three recommendations for chief information officers to reduce data risks while deriving the greatest value from data. Take it away. With more life lived digitally, there's an explosion of data, and it certainly brings immense business opportunities to use AI and other ways to monetize this data. But it also brings with it the immense data risks and responsibilities alongside. You certainly can make most use of data for business by keeping such data risks in check. To control these risks, first get a real-time understanding of the sensitive data across your multi-cloud environment, across your SaaS and any of the on-premise systems that you would have, and all the controls or the lack of controls that may be around this data to prevent it from external adversaries. In addition to external adversaries, 
also look at from your internal usage and put all the access governance and controls in place. And these have to be more automated because data is changing. So these controls have to be more automated. In addition to protecting from the external adversaries, also look at your internal usage of data and it must align with global privacy regulations and variety of other regulations that are actually tied to data with respect to storage of data, with respect to doing the data mapping, understanding how this data is moving across the geographies and ensuring that this data is being used in alignment with the consent of the user. Because remember, the people do get rights on the data with respect to deletion, change of consent, correction, access, and your ability to automatically fulfill this user request in a consistent manner can really help build user trust and reduce the risk to your brand. And now onto our interview. Richard Cox, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, um, Richard, I thought we'd begin with your role as a Chief Information Officer of Cox Enterprises. Maybe you could take a moment for those uh, among our listeners who may be less familiar with the business to give just a thumbnail sketch or an overview of it. Could you take a moment and do so, please? Absolutely. So Cox Enterprises, uh, we, we always start at the beginning. So it was founded by Governor James Cox uh, about 120 years ago, and it started with the Dayton newspaper. And uh, it's since uh, expanded over the years. We are now a $20 billion uh, private family-owned company. Uh, we uh, historically have been in three spaces, uh, the communication space. So we have, uh, have Cox Cable, uh, that is across uh, you know a good part of the nation. Uh, we have Cox Automotive, which really has a place in the entire automotive ecosystem. So think of everything from we have Mannheim Auctions, the largest uh, auction company in the in the uh, United States. Uh, we have uh, brands that you probably have heard of, Kelly Blue Book as an example, Auto Trader uh, as an example, and then. Uh, all types of software companies uh, really enabling the the purchasing and the sales of vehicles are across uh, not just the United States, but globally. And then historically, we've had a, a large uh, hand in media. So we, uh, until actually uh, early this year, we had Cox Media Group, which was made up of newspapers, uh, radio stations, and TV stations. We did a divestiture. Uh, we we held on to a couple of the newspapers, uh, the AJC and the the Dayton uh, Daily. Uh, but but that is uh, how how we are made up. So twenty billion, about fifty five thousand employees, uh, mostly in the U.S. but also globally. That's a great overview. And maybe you could take a moment also, uh, Richard, and talk a bit about your purview as Chief Information Officer. Yep. So I'm responsible for uh, uh, all the you know classical uh, technology across the enterprise. So I, I serve our entire enterprise. We have uh, ERP systems that support all 55,000 of our employees responsible for that. And uh, we also have connective tissue with the CIOs across the divisions. They are responsible for those respective uh, areas. Uh, and and we we stay really connected uh, in in a way so that we provide the support that they need, but we don't get in the way uh, of them uh, running their business and taking care of our customers and and hitting those targets that we have in front of us. 
It's really interesting, Richard, as, as you know, as you went over the different businesses, quite a diverse array of businesses as well. And I can only imagine that the application of IT is a bit different in each of those. As you point out, there's the ERPs of the world, uh, solutions like that, for example, that would apply across all of them. No doubt there, there are a number of solutions that apply to only one, where a standard for the entire company can't be set. Perhaps the logic in having a CIO be over each of those businesses to do that sort of an evaluation. Can you talk a bit about that relationship between you and the business unit uh, uh, chief information officers? Uh, it's a great question. And, and to to uh, just put a point of emphasis on your point, uh, it, it is really diverse. So you think about the technology needed to effectively empower the buying and selling of vehicles across the U.S. versus uh, how do you make sure that you have cable that is consistent, that it doesn't go down? I mean, it's two different worlds. Uh, and I, I think because of that, it's really important that you have the focus that we have. In terms of my uh, interaction with the CIOs, it's evolving. And, and what, what I mean by that is uh, Cox in the past uh, would go so far to say, hey, part of the secret sauce is making sure that we have a huge amount of autonomy in all of our businesses, not just our divisions, but even in the individual businesses. I think what we've learned over time is uh, those businesses, they inter interact with each other in a more centralized manner. And what we also realize is to the extent that we can have that connected tissue and we can share learning, we can share information and begin to plan together, then that just makes us all better. And so uh, I probably organically speak to the CIOs once or twice a week, just organically. And then we have formal uh, touch points where we're thinking about the business in, in, in a, you know, the broadest way possible. Can you talk a bit about uh, some of the aspects of your strategy and how you think about uh, influencing from the center, so, so to speak? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and so I, I think in order to answer that question, let me take a step back. So I've, I've been in this role officially for a year. And uh, coming into this role, you know, I thought the biggest challenge would be figuring out what we should be focused on, focused on from a technology standpoint. What are those emerging trends? What should we be taking advantage of in terms of innovation? And look, all those things are there. But what I learned is I, I was taken over for a CIO who'd been in the same role for 18 years. And this guy really, he created this organization. There was no technology group. He did a phenomenal job of coming in and creating it. Uh, that being said, there had not been a lot of change. And so the biggest thing that I've had to work through, and it's been a surprise for me, is it's really change. It's, it's transformation uh, at an organizational level in addition to those things that are just kind of table stakes today when you think about the digital transformation as an example. And so when we talk about the strategy, it's really been a lot of foundation building. So uh, I, I've hired a new team. We, we, we have a, a, a few people that, that uh, were holdovers from the, the you know, prior leadership, but we thought it really important to bring in some, some new talent. And so uh, excited that we actually brought some talent over from Cox Automotive. Uh, we, we brought uh, some external talent as well. And so what we've been really working on is making sure we take a step back and build a strategy that is holistic. Because in the past, we, we just had this tendency to, to work in silos. 
And so uh, we we just did a we just came out of a, a prep meeting, so it's really fresh. We're we are reporting to our uh, CFO on our plans for next year and beyond. And what we're finding is a lot of the work is just foundational, making sure that we have the systems and processes so that we can uh, provide the value to our customers in a meaningful way. And I, I think. Uh, let, let me kind of uh, pull that thread a bit more. Uh, one of the things that I did early on is uh, bring in a, a couple of groups that can help us understand what our customers' perspective of technology was. And we, we conducted over 200 interviews, uh, just loads of surveys. And from that, we formed the foundation of the work that we have in front of us. Uh, there was a, a call to action to, to make sure that we were more connective so, so that we were in their business versus being order takers waiting to see what they were going, going to do. And so I think that's part of the path that we're on. When we, when we talk about what the focus areas for 2021 is really building those foundational uh, points making sure that we are really intentional in terms of our cloud strategy. We've been uh, ad hoc to some extent. And then I think the third one is uh, really leveraging data and analytics. So we have a data and analytics team within Cox Enterprises. And I believe that there, there are huge opportunities there because if you think about the businesses that we're in, there's no group that is bringing that data in in a really thoughtful, sophisticated way in order to provide even more customer value than, than we're doing right now. Very interesting. Uh, it's interesting. It's also interesting to note, Richard, you mentioned you, you're around your one-year anniversary of joining the firm, and now the majority of your time here has been under quarantine and the the, the, the circumstances of the pandemic, of uh, the the economic cir uh, circumstances of it, the social circumstances of it, the health uh, consequences of it, and so on. What an interesting time to to be leading. I wonder if you could take a moment and reflect uh, on some of the learnings from this experience. Um, can you take a moment and do so, please? Uh, absolutely. Um, interesting is one adjective you could use. <laughs> I could think of a few others, but but look, I, I think um, you you really test leadership in times of crisis, and uh, I, you know I think you you can uh, take a step back or you can take a step forward. And, and I think we have, without a doubt, taken a step forward. So if you think about uh, some of the actions that have taken place, and then I'll, I'll talk about some of the lessons learned. So I've talked about this transformation, you know, um, bringing new leaders in, uh, looking at our organization to make sure that we're aligned, not just uh, for the past, but for the future. We've been able to do that as we shifted immediately to a remote posture across uh, our entire enterprise. And we, we literally, uh, on March 9th, we said, hey, we're going to do this test and have people work remotely for 24 hours to see how uh, it goes. And we haven't been back in the office since. And, and so I, I think about we, we've gone through a transformation and are currently working through that. We've gone to a remote posture and then in supporting our businesses. So you think about cable and automotive. So you, you really have the tale of two cities. If you think about cable, 
uh, arguably there there are not many in- industries that have been in more demand uh, during the pandemic than cable. And so our our cable business, uh, while you know in some parts there there are challenges, uh, say on the business side. Uh, residential demand across that industry has just uh, increased along the way. On the flip side, you look at automotive, and there there's been uh, you know in large part as the greater automotive industry goes, there 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 we go as well. However, what I'll say is automotive has bounced back more, uh, faster than most people thought, and there's a trend that that plays out across all these businesses. And that is the acceleration of digital. And so, you, you know, one of the, the there, there were initiatives on the cable side to really see how we could increase um, customer installations. And you can only do that by making sure that the customer has the digital tools they need to be able to do it. Well, we, we made that shift in, you know, a really rapid uh, time frame. And then on the automotive side, there's been this a strong desire to move to digital uh, purchasing, particularly at our our um, auctions. So, so our Mannheim auctions, and and in fact, that plan was probably a three to five year plan. We probably did it in in thirty days. And so, you, you think about just the digital acceleration and transformation that has taken place. Uh, what what you learn is going back to my first point. In these times of crisis, you can take a step back and and really you know re- regret what you didn't do along the way, or you can look at this as an opportunity. And I think we have looked at this as an opportunity for sure. Uh, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned through this is when when you are not physically together, and you have so many dynamics. Uh, taking place. So you, you have the dynamic of not only working uh, virtually, but you think about this, many of my team members, they're they're getting to know me for the first time. So, you know, they have a new leader, they're working remotely. And then on top of that, we have all the social unrest that we've seen. And, I, you know, I think with me being a, a black executive, that took on a, a, another, um, you know, not necessarily complication, but another uh, perspective along the way. And what you have to do, what, what's non-negotiable, you have to communicate. You have to be proactive and you have to communicate relentlessly is what I share with the team. And so as an example, in the past, they may have gotten you know email updates. Well, every single week, I have a video message that goes out. Uh, in addition to that, we, we literally had round tables. So I sat across from every single person in the entire uh, organization uh, virtually, uh, you know, face-to-face before we, we went virtual uh, so that they were hearing from me directly. And so that took months, but we had groups of, you know, 10 to 15 people at a time. And in addition to that, we've had town halls, we've had ask leadership sessions. And so that communication uh, and relentless communication, transparent communication. Uh, I think whether it's technology or any other part of the business, it, it's just been so important and non-negotiable during times like this. 
you raised, Richard, um, that, that you are an executive of, of color, and this is this crisis has uh, underscored um, issues that have long been uh, part of our society, perhaps in some new ways and with some renewed focus. I wonder if you could take a moment and reflect on some of your own uh, lessons, so to say, as someone who has um, as, as a, a black executive climbed the rung successfully to your post, having been an executive now across multiple organizations, and some of the lessons that you're thinking about for the, for the future, uh, for those who might follow in your footsteps. I, I really, first of all, I really appreciate you asking that question, because I think one of the great things that's happened during this period is we're having conversations that in the past we never would have had. And uh, I'll share with you um, the, the most difficult day that I had as we've gone through this and how I think it played out in a really positive way. So um, I, I've been in a unique situation in that uh, I've worked for Cox. I, I started at Cox Automotive in 2013. Uh, however, Cox being the great company that they are, they allowed me to do something really interesting. And, and in 2018, uh, the mayor of the city of Atlanta, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottom, she asked me to come and and help her uh, set up a, her administration. And 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 I, uh, we went to high school together. I hadn't talked to her in 30 years, so it was just this really interesting opportunity. And and we landed in this place where, hey, I love Cox. I can't leave my career. However, uh, Cox uh, allowed me to go help her, the city of Atlanta. Uh, for about a year and a half. So I was an executive on loan. And I share that as a backdrop because the, the most difficult day that I, that I had, there were uh, protests in the city of Atlanta. And our mayor at the end of that day or that evening, she gave a very impassionate speech about what was going on in our city and what our city has stood for from the, the time of Dr. Martin Luther King in the civil rights movement. And in that moment, Peter, I, I really, I was torn. And, and I was, uh, you know, I wondered, am I in my best and highest use at this moment in time? Should I be helping the city of Atlanta and the mayor, or should I be at Cox? And, and um, you know, during these moments, I think all of us have we call our purpose and our passion and, and where we should be. And luckily that night, the mayor called and she reached out and she, she was asking for just some operational uh, thoughts because I've been there for a year and a half and I was able to share. And so, you know, I felt great about that. And I, and I immediately, I took that back to Cox and uh, Cox was really, really good during that time. What we did is we set up, um, these opportunities for people to engage in a dialogue. So literally across the entire company, we had these sessions where uh, whether you're, you're a person of color, uh, you're anyone else, uh, you had the opportunity to participate in these small virtual uh, dialogue sessions. And that has led to uh, a, a group called Action Speak, where we have really uh, just doubled down on our uh, focus on diversity and inclusion. And just great things have come out of that. As an example, um, you know, now we have paid time off for people to vote. So regardless of what your, your political views may be, be, you will be 
support it, to participate in that in this you know so important of a process. Uh, we're being more intentional in terms of making sure that we look across all levels and how uh, people of color are are represented uh, uh, across you know not just uh, our front lines but middle management and the executive ranks. And I've had an opportunity to play an active role, and that's important to me because I I know. Uh, look, I, I have a great position now. I'm so grateful. Uh, and my position, literally, my first job out of college was uh, working in the warehouse. So it's been a, a a very long road that I feel really great about. And I feel a responsibility to make sure that role is not not as uh, difficult for people that come behind. That's a great, great overview, Richard. Thank you so much for sharing those perspectives. I want to actually return uh, uh, briefly to your period in working uh, for the city of Atlanta as the chief operating officer there. Uh, you experienced a really remarkable um, security issue while there. And, and I know that that's something that has has colored your own experience um, at now as a, as a CIO and with uh, security responsibilities, at least as part of your purview as well. Talk a bit about that experience and how that has shaped you. Well, let me, before I answer that question, let me say that my current team, they asked me a question. They said, hey, Richard, you, you're new in this job and we have this pandemic. And they, they said, hey, your first week in the city of Atlanta, didn't you have the largest ransomware attack in the history of a U.S. city? And uh, <laughs> they, they're trying to blame me for everything, but uh, it is true. Uh, my, my first week at the city of Atlanta was the most interesting start of any job I've ever had in my life. And, and it started with a, uh, a call on my way to work from the CIO saying, hey, we have a virus. It's not a big deal, but because you're new, I want to give you a heads up. And uh, about 24 hours later, of course, we found out it was something much, much more than uh, a minor virus. And in hindsight, it was the most difficult start of a job, uh, but it was also probably for me one of the best things that could have happened for me during my time in the city and for our city. Now, you know, people are saying, how could this be good for our city? And and, and I'll, I'll explain. So, um, you know, it, it's now a lot of the, the information is now public. Uh, it was a Sam Sam uh, attack. Um, uh, our, 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 the Department of Justice has even, um, you know, released the names of individuals uh, that were a part of it. Um, however, during that that time frame, we were just trying to figure out, you know, where's patient zero? How extensive was this attack? And how do we keep our city going? And uh, it took us some time. But what I will tell you for sure is the city was in such uh, a, a better posture as we worked through this than before. And, and not only that, what, what people don't realize is uh, several months after that attack, the city of Atlanta hosted the Super Bowl. And I am absolutely convinced if we had not gone through that, uh, that Super Bowl would have been very, very challenging. Uh, we were, as you can imagine, on high alert during the Super Bowl. Um, we were being scanned on a regular basis. Uh, but because we were really prepared, it, it was seamless. We didn't have any security issues at all. 
And so the city now is in a, a really good posture. You never claim victory. That's one of the things that I learned. Uh, and I, I still have a really good relationship with the CIO there who I hired during the time I was there. And they are really, really focused on, on security. And I think from a personal standpoint, um, again, going back to my comment about leadership during crisis, it allowed me to you know, earn credibility the first week because I was with the technology team 15, 18 hours a day while we were working with our security specialists, while we were working with uh, law enforcement. And, you know, during those times, you can't pretend to be a leader. You, you, you actually, you have to prove it. And so I think it, in, in, in hindsight, it really accelerated my learning curve. Uh, it also accelerated uh, my credibility. And we were able to get a lot of good things done uh, and, and the mayor continues to get good things done at the, at the city of Atlanta. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. What a, what a what an important story and and one that uh, clearly has stuck with you. I want to talk a little bit about the the future, Richard. Um, as you look to the future now, what are some of the trends that particularly excite you? Are there there are, um, technologies or processes or methods that you're beginning to uh, incorporate into your roadmap as you think a couple years out? Let's say. Yeah. So so. Um, our, our team is really leaned into RPA, um, so much so we, we were awarded uh, recently by CIO Mag- Magazine in terms of some of the, the RPA initiatives that we have going on to support our, uh, particularly our HR team, but also our uh, help desk and support team. And, you know, I, I think that the, the opportunities as it relates to uh, automation generally and AI uh, specifically are just incredible. And, and I, I, you know, I get really excited going back to the point that I made uh, about our data and analytics team. So when actually when I was at Cox Automotive, I was responsible for bringing the analytics teams together uh, for Kelly Blue Book and AutoTrader. And when you start centralizing data and realizing just the inherent opportunities you have when you bring new and unique data sets together in in different ways, uh, you, you you land on foresight and insight. And, and that's when you begin to make decisions that cannot just transform businesses, but can transform how we work. So what I what I share with uh, our new analytics leader is look, I'm convinced that if we can really lean into how we connect data sets across our different uh, divisions and companies, not only will we land on new products, but there are potentially new companies that we could be sitting on. So I get I get really excited, I think in really three areas, uh, RPA, uh, everything related to data analytics and, and specifically uh, AI. When, when you think about what is going on there, and just how quickly uh, it, that area is evolving. It's just unbelievable. That's great. Well, the, a great set of uh, uh, topics and overviews there. And I can only imagine, Richard, thinking back to the early parts of the, the conversation, that some of the uh, groundwork that you laid in modernizing some of the practices and the technologies, perhaps also the processes uh, that the IT department across Cox Enterprises um, has and uses, uh, has aided your ability to take advantage of some of these things, has put you in a better uh, a better circumstance such that you can, you can do so. Is that, a, is that a fair assumption, Richard? 
Yeah, I, I think it it is fair, and, and but but it also triggers a, a thought is like, look, the, the first thing I I did it was get really smart people who have done that before, and and I feel really good. We you know across all these different businesses, their best practices in in different spaces, and I think you know one of the things that we have the luxury of doing is being able to identify areas that are doing things well. And, uh, you know, luckily for me, we, we have a, a good process where we can bring talent across divisions uh, and build those foundational practices so that we can leverage those to drive even more efficiency, more innovation along the way. Uh, due to your last name, do people ask you whether or not you're related to Governor James Cox? Uh, the, you, you know, I, I, I do get that on occasion. Uh, people are often disappointed that it doesn't buy me much. Uh, they, realize pretty, they, they realize pretty quickly. I am not a family member, although I do get a lot of uh, requests from people outside of the, the, the company escalations, uh, because of my last name. So, uh, it doesn't buy me much, uh, other than a, a lot of extra work. There you go. <laughs> well, Richard Cox, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a great conversation covering your your time, both uh, serving the city you live in, this company that you've been a part of for quite some time as well, the steps that you've taken during a very trying time, as well as the inspiration that you clearly are providing uh, to executives and would-be executives of color as well. Thank you for sharing perspectives on such a diverse array of topics today. Well, Peter, thank you. And as I said before we got started, thank you for what you do for our entire community. Before I came into this role, I made sure that I was listening to your podcast and continue to listen to them because I I think you really continue to have a pulse on everything that's going on across our nation as it relates to CIO. So thank you for everything that you do. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Monday when my guest will be Rama Prasad, the Chief Technology Officer and Senior Vice President of Technology at Copart.